we know that we can't believe everything that we hear these days. And that's important because there are lots of people who are trying to deceive us. Some just for a laugh, just for a joke. But the consequences of other, other people do can be much more serious. I'm sure many of us have had a phone call from a helpful Microsoft representative who offers to fix your Windows computer. Anybody had that experience? Or an email offering you a share in a multi-million euro inheritance? Or a missed call from a stranger in the hope that you call them back on their premium rate number? I recently heard that, that in the UK, someone becomes a victim of what they call authorised payment fraud every eight minutes. That's when somebody gains access to your email and then they pretend to be a person or a business that you've all, you already have a relationship with in order to scam you out of money. And in the last six months of 2018, in the UK this is, over £145 million was stolen just through this fraud system. I think maybe these are some of the reasons why it's so easy for us to be sceptical and cynical today. We know that there are so many frauds around. It can be really difficult to trust what anyone says. But if we want to be part of God's kingdom, and if we want to experience everything that God has planned for us, then we need to learn that we can really trust in Jesus. We need to learn to take him at his word. And that's what a royal official discovered in John chapter 4, at the end of John chapter 4. So we're going to read this passage this morning. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 43, down to the end of the passage. So John chapter 4, verse 43. After the two days he, after the two days he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, The fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realised that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. Last week we saw the amazing expression of faith 
in the Samaritan town of Sychar. They said to the woman that Jesus had met at that well, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. This is the, the saving faith in Jesus that we all need. To believe in Jesus and trust him as our saviour and our Lord. And yet, this is not where a lot of people start. Instead, like this royal official that we just read about, they start with crisis faith. Now, we don't know much about this man. We don't know his background or his nationality. All that we're told is he's a royal official, probably working in the government of Herod, the Tetrarch of Galilee. The wicked and evil guy who had imprisoned and and killed John the Baptist. However, even although we don't know much about him, we can relate to the family tragedy that he was experiencing. There was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. His son lay desperately ill and this man was just about out of options. No doubt he tried all the doctors, all the remedies that he could imagine. But none of these had worked. Instead, this boy was just getting worse. He knew that if something drastic didn't happen, this boy was not going to survive. In fact, he said he was close to death. And so when he heard about Jesus, that Jesus had arrived in Galilee, he travelled the 20 miles or so from Capernaum, where he lived, to Cana. And he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son. Now this showed a real level of faith in Jesus. Maybe he'd heard how Jesus had turned the water into wine at a wedding in Cana earlier. Or maybe he'd heard the talk in Galilee from all those who'd seen all that Jesus had done at the Passover feast in Jerusalem, as it says in verse 45. But whatever the reason, this man came to Jesus because he believed that Jesus was his last hope. If Jesus did not come to work in power in this situation, his son was going to die. Now during Jesus' public ministry, many people came to him with that kind of faith. In their desperation and in their pain, in their suffering and in their need, they cried out for help because they believed in the miracle working power of Jesus. And they believed that power was their only hope. And again and again, Jesus responded to that faith. Jesus didn't turn any of them away. Instead, he healed everyone who came to him. For example, Luke chapter 4, verse 40 says this, When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Jesus healed everyone who came to him for healing. 
Now, of course, we know that Jesus does not always respond in miraculous healing today. His public ministry was uniquely validated and endorsed by these acts of power. At Pentecost, Peter wrote this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs. So these miracles authenticated, accredited Jesus as the Son of God. And so nobody has the same authority to heal everyone who comes to them. Nobody has. Not even the apostles, who did some amazing miracles. But they didn't heal everyone who needed help. But at the same time, we are encouraged to bring our desperate need to Jesus today. Believing that he can step in and work in power. So in Hebrews 4 and 15 it says this, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were, but yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us come right into God's presence and bring all of our issues to Him so that we might find the mercy and the grace to help us in our time of need. So today, if we are in the middle of a crisis, if we are desperate and have no one else to turn, then like this royal official, we can come to Jesus and in faith ask for his help. But did you notice how Jesus responded to this man? It's really quite strange, quite shocking in a sense. Look at verse 48. When, G- when, when this man came and asked for help from Jesus, Jesus said this, Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. Now that doesn't sound like the most sympathetic or sensitive response to somebody who's in that desperate situation. They don't need a, they don't need a sermon at that moment, do they? Here's a dad who is absolutely overcome with worry and concern for his dying son who comes and desperately asks for help and it sounds a bit like Jesus is telling him off for looking for a miracle. So what's that all about? It should make us think and question. And I think that's the point of what Jesus said. I think it's because Jesus knew that crisis faith is not enough for any of us. There are many people who come to Jesus in a crisis and ask for a miracle. I have the faith to ask for a miracle. But if they don't get what they ask for, or even if they do get what they ask for, then that faith just disappears. And they go off with their own, on, on with their everyday lives. Remember when ten men came who had leprosy to Jesus? And they called out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. 
And Jesus healed every single one of them instantly. But only one of the ten even bothered to come back and give praise to God and thank Jesus for what he had done. And that was the Samaritan in the group. The rest of them just went on without another thought for the person who healed them. Crisis faith. Faith that comes from our desperate need and is just focused on receiving a miracle is not always saving faith. This is what John was talking about, I think, at the start of this section. In verse 44, he says, A prophet has no honour in his own country. Jesus was coming to Galilee, to his home area. And many of these Galileans seemed to be welcoming him back. Great, here's Jesus, the miracle worker. But many of them would reject him. When he didn't fit in with their expectations. Yes, they were excited to welcome him as a miracle worker, but they didn't really want him as their Saviour and Lord. And John has already made that clear in his Gospel. In John chapter 2, verse 23, it says this, When Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. Sounds great. But then it goes on to say, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. Jesus didn't depend on these people, even though they were expressing some kind of faith in him, because he knew that that faith was really only a response to the miracles he was doing. He knew that before long, some of the people who who were there, expressing that faith, would be part of the crowd calling for Jesus to be crucified. So in responding to this man in this way, Jesus was challenging him to go deeper. To go deeper than Christ's faith. And this is what that man did. First of all, he expressed a deeper faith by expressing persistence. Jesus, eh, this man didn't take offence at what Jesus said. He didn't say, what are you saying telling me that I'm only here for miracles? I'm off. He didn't say that. He said he expressed his faith again. By again asking for help. Sir, come down before my child dies. And we are also called to express this deeper faith by persistently praying. Jesus taught the parable of the the persistent widow who got justice just because she kept on asking and asking and asking. He said he did this to teach us that we should always pray and not give up. When you don't get the response you're looking for, don't stop praying, keep on praying. And then Jesus taught the parable of the friend who kept on battering at the door at midnight until his friend got up to help him so that when we don't get the answer that we long for, we are encouraged to keep on coming back to God. Keep on asking again and again and again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We're called to express that kind of faith. This is not 
This is not wearing God down until he, he does what we ask for. Okay? This is not nagging God. Prayer is always seeking his will, not our will in our lives. But this is important because in those prolonged times of heartbreak and suffering, we have an opportunity to go deeper in our faith and trust in God. And then when this official did this, Jesus responded with an amazing promise. You may go. Your son will live. Now that wasn't what the official was asking for. Did you notice that? Remember what he was, he was asking for? He was wanting Jesus to come with him to Capernaum to heal his son. I guess in his mind, he assumed that Jesus had to be present in order for him to exercise his power in healing. So the man had asked Jesus to come with him and instead, Jesus responded by go, saying go. But Jesus promised here to do more than he asked. He promised that even from a distance, Jesus could solve this crisis. Even though he wasn't there, he could heal the sickness. Even though he wasn't present, he could give life. So Paul says that our God is able to, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that has worked within us. Not that God is is able to do less than we ask, but he's able to do more than we ask. We may ask for one thing, but God says, no, I want to give you something more, something better, something greater. But I think the most remarkable thing in this whole passage, the thing that jumps out at me anyway, is that the fact that the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. This man... Hadn't seen anything happen yet. He didn't know what was happening to his son 20 miles away. And Jesus hadn't done what he'd asked by going with him. And yet he simply accepted Jesus at his word and he acted on it. He set off home, confident that his son would live. Simply because Jesus said so. This is not crisis faith. This is confident faith. This is dependent trust on the word of Christ. And this is the kind of faith that God is looking for in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we live by faith, not by sight. We're not called to base our confidences on what we see. But our faith in who Jesus is and what he says. So our life is not based on what we can see happen. But our faith in who Jesus is and what he says. It's about taking Jesus at his word and accepting the promises that are in the Bible. It's about believing that we are loved and forgiven. Even when we don't feel it. It's about believing that we are God's child. Even when we don't always behave like it. Believing that God is working for our good. Even when we cannot understand it. 
Believe that God is making us more like Jesus. Even when we cannot see it. Believing that God answers our prayers even when we cannot recognize it. Believing that God is with us even when he feels distant and remote. Believing that God is in control even when the world looks like a mess. Believing that God can give us the grace that we need even when the struggle is huge. Believing that Jesus is building his church even when we feel small and struggling. Believing that we have a place in heaven even when we're not there yet. Confident faith is not based on what we see or what we feel or on always getting what we ask for. It's, instead, it's based on what God says. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. So this man took Jesus at his word and he left. Now he must have stayed in Cana overnight before leaving for home. Because it actually was the next day that he met his servants come to him with the news that this, his boy was alive and was living. And when he found out the time when he, was, when he actually got better, he realised that this was the exact time when Jesus said to him, your son will live. Jesus had healed his son at the exact moment that he promised that he would. We know that Jesus is always faithful to his promises. The Lord is faithful to his, his promises, to all his promises, and loving towards all he has made. And did you see the result of this? Verse 53. The result of it was that he believed. He believed. Now, in a sense, this man had already believed. Because he'd already believed that Jesus could heal his son, because that's why he went, went in the first place. Then he already believed in Jesus' promise that his son would not die. That's why he left. But faith in the miracle-working power of Jesus is not the destination. The destination is to believe that Jesus is our Saviour and our Lord. And this is the confirmed faith that, that, that this man expressed here. Faith in the person of Christ. Trusting in Jesus. This is actually the second of the, of the, of the seven miracle, miracles that, Jesus, that, sorry, that John recorded in his gospel. But in John's gospel, he doesn't just give them as miracles. He says in verse 54, this was the second miraculous sign. That Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. These are not just healings to meet a need. They're signposts to a greater truth. These signs were performed to point to the reality of who Jesus is. And to the reality of what Jesus came to do in our lives. 
John recorded them in his gospel that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's why they're in the Bible. So that we may come and put our faith and trust in Jesus. Like this royal official, we are saved, we are forgiven. We are brought into God's family when we respond in true faith. When we recognize the true identity of Jesus. And we put our trust in him for our salvation. So folks, the question is today, what kind of faith in Jesus do we have? Is it more just like a, a crisis faith? That just calls out to Jesus anytime we're in a trouble? Anytime we're, we're needing help? Anytime we're needing a miracle? Anytime we just feel lonely or, or lost? Or is it a confident faith that trusts in God's word? And is it a confirmed faith in Jesus Christ as our Saviour and Lord? Is that the kind of faith that we have? But just finally, and briefly, this incident didn't actually end with the royal official putting his faith in Jesus. Did you notice verse 53? He and all his household believed. When he got home, this man mustn't have kept all of this experience to himself. He didn't just enjoy the fact that his son was alive. Instead, he must have shared this whole experience and his newfound faith in Jesus with his family. He must have told them how he came to Jesus with that desperate request for help, how he trusted in Jesus' promise for healing, how he told them how the miracle of his son's recovery was a confirmation of the promise because it happened right at the time that Jesus said it would. And as a result of sharing this, this experience with his family, his whole household put their faith in Jesus whole family it's a similar kind of faith that we saw with the, the Samaritan women at the well isn't it that true faith in Jesus is a contagious faith is a faith that you just can't keep to yourself if we put our trust in Jesus if we've had our sins forgiven, if we've been declared righteous in God's sight, if we've been born again into God's kingdom, if we've been adopted into his family, if we've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, then we should be so desperate to share this faith with other people. We should be like the apostles were. When even when they were threatened to stop talking about Jesus, they said we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking. You can't just shut us up. You can't keep us quiet. We're just desperate to tell everybody that we can about what Jesus has done for us. So, when it comes to other people, yeah, it's good to be careful not to believe everything that we hear. We need to be cautious. We need to be guarded. 
so that we're not deceived. But when it comes to Jesus, we need to learn that we can take him at his word. We can put our faith completely in him. Because he is faithful to all of his promises.